Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. There's a lot of great resources there that are free and will help you grow closer to God and help you connect with the church. Right now, let's go to our next-gen pastor, Myron Jellison, for this week's message. Well, hey, welcome everybody. My name is Myron Jellison. I'm the next-gen pastor here, and I had the privilege of teaching last week and again this week, and we've been going through this series that we've titled 10 Talks. It is a spinoff of TED Talks, which are, are just these really good conference-style uh, talks, and we're going to go through the Ten Commandments, and each week we're diving into a commandment, looking at the principle, looking at how it still applies to our life, because some people, you and I maybe even think, sometimes, does the Ten Commandments actually apply to my life? Isn't it some like outdated rules and like these guidelines that were for a certain group at a certain time, and they're not even relevant to us today? And I would challenge that thought and say, yes, they do. They absolutely apply to us today. And the reason that they apply to us today is because God never changes. And He's given us these commandments as really guidelines and standards that if we will implement into our life and know the principle behind each of them, we'll have a better relationship with Him and we'll have a better relationship with people around us. So today we're going to look at the seventh commandment. So if you've been hanging around with us, we've been through six weeks. This is week seven of ten, commandment number seven. And this one, the principle behind this commandment is this word intimacy. And you might hear the word intimacy and go, man, I don't need intimacy. I'm like not that mushy, gushy, lovey-dovey, like romance kind of person. I don't need that. And I would say you do need it. You just don't call it intimacy. You see, every single human being, I think, needs to be known needs to be loved, needs to be accepted, needs to feel welcomed, and needs to feel safe and secure. And we all want someone, at least one person, maybe a few more, that knows us, that knows the real me, knows the real you, that you can be yourself around and talk about the real hard things in life and the struggles, and they're there for you. They're not going to judge you, and you just want to be around them. That's called intimacy. We want to long to be that connected to someone or a few people in that bond of a relationship that, I, that, I, that I'm calling intimacy. We crave it. We need it. And here's the thing. There is a void inside all of us that, that only Jesus can fill. And that is that this void of a relationship with Him and to bring you satisfaction and contentment and purpose and life to all of its fullness, you can't find it and you try to fill it with other things and it doesn't satisfy it. This is this desire to be known, to be secure, to be safe, to feel loved by your Heavenly Father, your Creator, the God of the universe. And and the intimacy that we crave is with God through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and also intimacy with our fellow Man, we crave intimacy. So, we're going to look at this commandment. It is commandment number seven, and it is in Exodus 20, verse 14, and it says this, You shall not commit adultery. You shall not commit adultery. Five words, pretty simple, shouldn't commit adultery. And we automatically think that adultery means, well, just don't cheat on your spouse. But here, I just want to give a quick disclaimer. Today, we're going to dive into some some adult conversation with some mature information that might not be suitable for kids. And parents, you'll need to make that decision. So I would encourage you to go to Venture Kids Online uh, and watch that content and, and, get, and go to our website and, and, and put them in front of the content that they can consume safely. And then dive in with me of having a mature adult conversation where I may say some things that are offensive uh, and inappropriate for, for a certain audience, but we got to be real. we got to be real. So adultery is not just 
having an affair when you are married. There's so much more to this. It's, it's talking about sexual purity. It's talking about sexual expression. And I just want to dive in and be so honest and transparent today because guess what? Our world is talking about sex. They are worshiping sex. The, the, our culture is so sexually charged. Our culture is defining what sexual expectations are. They're worshiping it and pushing it on you. Bro, you do you. Like, whatever, love is love, man. Have at it. Whatever it feels good, whatever you want to do. Our world is, is driving this narrative and this expectation of what it means to live out our sexual desire. And I would say that the world is looking at the church going, you guys are a bunch of prudes that don't know anything about it, and you're a bunch of judgmental people judging us, and all the Christians and all the church people are like, you're a bunch of sexually immoral people. And we're unwilling to, to step into this waters of, of a tough, hard conversation around sexual expression, and we need to. The church has to shine light and truth and understanding and the purpose behind you and I, our desire and our sexual desires and how we express them appropriately according to God's word and to his plan and his design and how he created. We have to have this conversation. So join me. Let's go dive in and talk about sexual expression. So I got two things, two areas that I think we can commit adultery. Okay, and one, there's two, we, we as human beings are made up of two kind of parts, the physical and the non-physical. And in the physical, that's basically just our body, all the chemicals, the cells, and everything has to do with our physical being. The other side of that is the non-physical, which is kind of our mind, our thoughts, our soul, our emotions, and that non-physical side that is so real, your conscience, that is the non-physical side. So let's start with point number one, the first side, the first way in which we can commit adultery is in the physical with our body. And I want to read 1 Corinthians 6 to just kick it off. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 6, 18-20. Flee from sexual immorality. Run, forest, run. Like whenever there is sexual immorality, a false expression of what sexual desire should be expressed, run from it. Flee from it. Get away from it as fast as possible. Why? It goes on. Don't you know every other sin is a person, every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. There seems to be some indication that every other sin kind of happens externally. And there's something that, that goes on and there's a relationship that's severed and broken and there's some pain that's experienced and we know that. But guess what? Sexual, immor Im sexual immorality, a sexual sin, something happens deep within us. Happens deep within us. There is a bond. There is an attachment. There is an attraction. There is this shifting. There is something that really happens inside of our body. There's a manifestation of chemical reactions and, and this natural bodily desire to want to connect in that way. And we can commit adultery in our body if we engage in those sexual activities outside of God's design. And it's something deep within us that shifts. And I think the reason something deep within us shifts is because our sexuality is so tied to who we are. And that's exactly what culture is teaching and driving. Like our identity and who we are is very closely tied and related to our sexual desires and our sexual uh, expression. So sex is a very intimate part and very personal part. And when we commit a, a sexually immoral act, it's very deep within us and can hurt and can really bind and cause a lot of internal struggle and pain and strife inside of us. It's different. It's a big deal. And the, and the author, you know, Paul goes on, the author of 1 Corinthians, he goes on in verse 19 and says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? 
You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. If you are a Jesus follower, if you've given your life to him, you are now a temple of the Holy Spirit. Your physical body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will reside or dwell inside of you. Quick history lesson, okay? In the Old Testament, God had a, had a group of people that he would dwell with, okay? And he had this, this, this box that he, would, that he would reside in, and then they would carry this box around, and they would build a tent, and they had this tabernacle and this, and this mobile temple, this mobile unit that they would move with the people. And then they finally built him a physical structure, and God would dwell, his presence would dwell among the people in that physical structure. And then Jesus came onto the scene, and Jesus switched everything. He flipped the whole thing around. He said, I don't need a physical structure anymore. I just need a person. I need a body. And, he would, and, and what he's doing is he's giving us, he said, I'm going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit, God's power that, that can reside inside of you, that make the relationship so intimate between God and you is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And your body now is the temple in where, Jesus, or where God and Jesus can reside in this life, on this earth. So don't you know that your body is a temple where the Holy Spirit can reside? So he's saying, take care of your body. Treat it right. And, and there's got to be some indication here about our sexual immorality, our sexual expression, our sexual desires that we maybe express inappropriately hinders our ability to have the Holy Spirit connecting with us. It's something that happens so deep within because our sexuality is being pushed on us that it's our identity, but your identity is not in your sexuality. Your identity is in Jesus Christ through the sealing and, and the gifting and the receiving of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, the temple. And so we got to take care of our bodies. we got to be good stewards because your body was bought for a price. And that price was Jesus Christ's Jesus Christ death on the cross for the payment of your sins. At that price, you are no longer your own. And Jesus is saying, I want you to steward your body. It is a gift that I am giving you. This new life, this new creation that I am making you, you are no longer your own. You were bought as a price. So glorify God with your body. I give you this illustration. I have a truck that's valuable to me. Uh, it's my property, and uh, I gave it away. So when I give my truck away to somebody who needs it, it's a sacrifice. There's some inconvenience that happens to me. There's some depreciation of the value based on miles and wear and tear that I'm sacrificing by allowing somebody else to use my truck. And my friend needed a truck, so I gave my, I gave my truck to a friend. And uh, when I gave him my truck, I did not give him a list of 10 rules to like follow in order to use my truck. No. The mutual agreement and understanding was, hey, this isn't yours. <laughs> I'm sacrificing to give it to you, so take care of it. Be a good steward of it. Be a good manager of it. And you know what my friend did when he got back? The truck was beautiful. It wasn't dirty. It didn't smell. It was clean outside and inside. I told my buddy, I was like, hey, anytime you need my truck, come use it because you clean it. It's amazing. It's great. It gets detailed. But he did. He was a good steward. The same way you and I, your body was bought for a price. There was a sacrifice for you to have what you have. So take care of it and be a good steward of it and run away from sexual immorality. You see, I think society could agree uh, that the other nine commandments are pretty applicable and that if, if there was a God, that this would make sense. But then this commandment, I think, is a big stumbling block for our world and our society and those who don't follow Christ or don't know Jesus. And here's how it would probably go in their mind. Okay, if there was a God, yeah, you probably should worship Him only, not have any other gods. Yeah, you shouldn't like murder. You should probably go to church one day a week. You probably shouldn't steal. You probably shouldn't covet other people's stuff. You probably should honor your father and your mother. Okay, good. They all look, they all look good. Those are probably those legit. 
but bro, you're telling me that I can't have sex outside of marriage? Bro, you're telling me that I can't just go with my natural sexual desire? Like there's a way, there's a, there's a plan and a purpose and a right way to do this? Like, bro, that's so outdated. That is so archaic. That is not even relevant to 2020. You need to like fast forward and join us here in the future. That is so old school. But I would tell you that, yes, that's not old school. That is, that is God's plan. That is God's design. He, he gave it to us as a gift to be expressed in a certain context. And the certain context was inside of marriage between a man and a woman. It was very clear. That was God's plan and intention and design for you and I to have freedom of expression of our sexuality inside of marriage between a man and a woman. So we're going to talk about sex real quick. Okay, let's talk about sex. God designed it. Did you know he designed it? He did. It was his idea. We didn't mutate from some glob or some uh, amoeba and go through all these like uh, mutations to get to where we are today with our parts and the pleasure and all that just kind of happened by chance. No. Humans, you and I, were made on purpose for a purpose in the image of God. So uniquely woven together, he formed you and I. And he formed our sexual parts. He formed male and female reproductive parts. And he also formed them to be pleasurable. It was his idea. He designed it. And I think about this, okay? Maybe, I don't know, maybe God made it. And Adam and Eve were, you know, having some fun. And he's like, wow, man, we did a really good job. Like, maybe that pleasure is too good, right? I don't think so. He knew what he was doing. He doesn't make mistakes, and then he might, he might be walking through the garden. You might know Adam and Eve, the first two human beings. They lived and they walked with God in the Garden of Eden. And maybe God's walking along, doesn't see Adam and Eve, wonders where they are, looks over, sees the bushes ruffling a little bit, goes over, peeks in and goes, oh my, I didn't, oh wow, I didn't think you were going to put that there. No. You would not catch God off guard. He does not make a mistake. It was his idea. He designed it. And here's the point I want to make in saying all that. Just maybe, no, not just maybe, you know what God did? He designed man and woman, uh, husband and wife, male and female, to fit perfectly together. I'm not just insinuating sexual intercourse. I'm, I'm talking about complementing each other. This, you, you, you kind of get your other half you fit so well together in so many different ways. You kind of become complete. And it gets the, gives us this illustration and this example of what it looks like to be in relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. And that's exactly what marriage was given to us for. To show us that. To give us a physical demonstration of what we can have with God. So He made us so perfectly to fit together. And you know what? I think the intimacy that is created between a man and a woman, through sexual pleasure, you cannot get it any other way. You can't. There's a reason. God gave it to us. And I think the reason was, I know the reason was, is what to, was to build intimacy between you and your spouse. So you could experience that incredible uh, intimacy with another human being. And when you violate that, when you break that, there's pain, there's hurt, there's baggage, there's scars. And we were never meant to experience that. But we were meant to experience intimacy like nothing else on the face of the earth except inside marriage when sexual expression is able to happen freely and be enjoyed and it's okay. It's good. You see, I, I think that uh, sex builds intimacy to give us an illustration of how our intimacy can be with God. 
Now, I'm not saying we have sex with God. That's weird. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that the only way, or one of the ways, that you can have intimacy with your spouse, that you can't have with anybody else, is through sexual pleasure. And when you have that, it bonds you together. It's such a, a, a deep, intimate attachment that you have to that individual. And that doesn't exist in any other relationship in this human life. And we know that marriage is supposed to be an illustration and an exemplifier of Jesus' relationship with the church. And when I say the church, I just mean those who follow Jesus and have accepted Him. So if you are following Jesus, the relationship that you should have with Jesus, that intimacy that you should be experiencing, is exactly the same uh, depth of intimacy you can experience in your marriages by having sexual pleasure. Sex builds intimacy with your spouse. And here's how you can have that same kind of uh, um, intimacy with Jesus is through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, which your body's a temple of. And you've got to stay pure in your body and let the Holy Spirit live inside of you so that you can experience this oneness, this deep, intimate connection with Jesus, your Heavenly Father, the one who created you and wants to be in relationship with you. That's what He craves for you. That's what He desires for you. And that's what you desire as well. You might just not, not admit it, but you have that void and vacancy in your life. So you see, sexual desires expressed inside of marriage between a man and a woman are good. Those are good desires. Don't ever feel like they're bad and they're evil and we got to squash them and get rid of them and don't talk about them and don't, don't enjoy them. No, enjoy them. They were a gift from Him. So good desires are not bad. It's the misapplication and expression of those desires that get us into trouble, causes a lot of pain and heartache and scars and baggage in our life. You see, the, the, the strong desire that we talk about that gets us into trouble is lust. And the root word for the word lust used in, in, the, in the scriptures just means strong desire. Jesus used this root word that we use for lust to describe one of Jesus' emotions. So did Jesus lust? Not in an inappropriate sexual way, no. But Jesus did have strong desires. So strong desires are okay just express them in the right context and allow them to be manifested in the, in the appropriate areas of your life, which is inside of marriage between a man and a woman. So Jesus says this in Luke twenty two fifteen. 15. He said to his disciples, he said to them, his followers, his, his closest disciples, I have earnestly desired, that's that same word that we use for lust, I earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus is saying, I want to eat one more Passover meal before I'm going to be handed over to authorities, crucified on a cross for the payment of your sins, and I want to have this meal with you to create intimacy with you. I have a desire for intimacy. So it's okay to have this strong desire for intimacy. It's okay. And I think that there is a, a stereotype with Christianity that the world looks at and go, well, you're just a bunch of prudes. You, are, you have to like squash your sexual desire. You can't enjoy this. You can't have fun. It's for procreation. And I would say no. Us as Jesus followers should be most appreciative and thankful for God's gift and the ability to express these strong desires that we all have. We all got them inside of marriage. We should be grateful and thankful and, and glorify Him that we get to experience that level of intimacy with our spouse. It's beautiful. It's a gift from Him. Thank Him for that. So strong desires are not bad. The misapplication of the strong desires are what is bad. And I want to say this, in your marriage, bring God into your sex life. Not in a weird three-way kind of scenario. No, but bring Him in. Because if you keep your sex life in the dark, the devil can tempt you. The devil can insert himself with deception and try to get you to be uh, unfaithful. 
and look where you shouldn't look and search where you shouldn't search and begin to flirt with who you shouldn't flirt with. But if you bring your sex life into the light with God, with your spouse, and talk about it and celebrate it and embrace it and be grateful for it, you're, you, it'll, it'll get better. Your life will get better. Uh, your sex life will get better. Your relationship with your spouse will get better. You have more intimacy. And your intimacy with God will get better too. So don't keep it in the dark. Bring it into the light with Christ. And we need to build intimacy with our spouses. We need to. We need to, because if we don't, we may search for other places because we all have a desire for intimacy. And if we're not fulfilling that inside of marriage, we will seek that elsewhere and we will lead to bodily adultery. You see, lust isn't bad. It's not bad. The misalignment of that strong desire is what is bad. You see, I think we should lust after God's word. We should have a strong desire after his word. We should lust after corporate worship. And being together as a church, we should lust after uh, human connection, (laughs) like biblical community where I got brothers and sisters who are believers surrounding me. I should have a strong desire for that because Jesus had these same desires. He did. Not that he ever lusted. He did not. He was pure, but he had strong desires and he had strong human emotions that he experienced. He gets it. Jesus understands. And Jesus, there's a verse in the Bible that says Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. And it's referring to Jesus crying and weeping over the death. The behead, his, his best friend got beheaded uh, and he just found out and he's crying. He's weeping. He's not just a little bit cry. He's a messy cry. He's sad. He's weeping. A strong emotion that he's experiencing. Another instance, Jesus is in this, in this garden talking with God. He's praying with God, his heavenly father. And he's like, God, I know what I have to do. But is there any other way? And he's sweating blood. He's having this manifestation of anxiety and fear and worry and stress. He's having strong human emotions. So Jesus gets it. He knows. He lived as a human being on this life. He went through puberty. He went through his 20s, into his early 30s. And yeah, he was tempted in every way that we were tempted, but he remained pure and he never lusted. He never let those strong human desires that he was wrangling with turn into lust and cause him to sin. He did not. And the good news is, is he can do that for you. The Holy Spirit can empower you to help you be set free from that and not fall into sexual immorality. You can do it too. Jesus knows, he understands, and he's right there asking to help you if you will just lean in to him. When we commit adultery in the flesh with our body, the sexual acts outside of marriage and the sexual acts before marriage, It is against God's design and plan for you to express yourself sexually. And there's damage and pain and scars and baggage that come along with that. And when that happens, something deep inside of us switches. Something deep inside of us is affected. There's a bond that is created that was never meant to be created because sex is powerful. So let's harness it and not have a misapplication or a misexpression of lust or misexpression of our sexual desires in the body, in the flesh. The other side of this is the non-physical. We just talked about the physical and God's design and God's plan for sex and how it is to be conducted. But then there's this non-physical side, which I'm calling the soul. So let's look at this, non-physical soul. It says this in Proverbs 6.32, Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. Destroys his own soul. The word for destroy there means to injure, to waste, to corrupt, to spoil, and to rot your soul. 
And you know, if you've squandered your purity in this area, you know how something, something, a part of your soul, the non-physical was wasted, was injured, was hurt, was corrupted, and was spoiled. And if you're continually living in that in sexual morality, you know how your soul is rotting. You can feel it. You experience it. You know this. And here's the great news. God can redeem. I know He can redeem. I'm living proof that He can redeem because I've blown it in this area in my previous life, in my earlier years. So, God can redeem. He understands. He can come alongside of you. That doesn't mean there won't be scars, it won't be pain, it won't be hard, but He can redeem. So don't waste your soul. Don't squander your soul. Don't corrupt your soul by engaging in sexual immoral acts. And you know what your soul is made up of? It's three parts. The mind, the will, and the emotions. The mind, the will, and the emotions. Your thoughts and your mind, your will, your decision-making, which then manifests itself in the physical, and your emotions. So Jesus takes this seventh commandment, and he's going to take it one step farther. We've just talked about bodily adultery and how you shouldn't have sex outside of marriage. We kind of all agree and understand that that's what God's Word says. But Jesus is going to take it one step farther and say any inappropriate thought or emotion towards an individual who is not your spouse is wrong and would be considered adultery. And here's the thing about this kind of adultery. This kind of adultery happens before the bodily kind of adultery. It's going to start in your mind and your thinking. It's going to start in your emotions and your feelings. And then it's going to go to your will and your decisions. And then you're going to have sex with somebody in the flesh physically. In Matthew 5, 27, 28, Jesus says this. You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. He's just, he's just given the commandment to them. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Before the affair even happens... There was adultery in the heart, in the soul, in the non-physical, in the mind, or in the emotions. And you know what precedes the adultery in the heart? Is the lust. This, this unrestrained, this strong desire for sexual pleasure with another individual, not your spouse. That lust is what caused the adultery in the heart. But you know what caused the lust? Look at this word. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman, who looks... Looking leads to lusting. Looking leads to lusting. And you can control where you look. You control where your eyes go. You control what you are intentionally seeking and consuming with your sight. You do. And you, can, you, you control where you search and what websites you go to and what Instagram profiles you check out. You control that. So I'm, I'm going to say looking leads to lusting. So if you want to stop lusting, you've got to be able to control your looking. And notice that it doesn't say just seeing. It doesn't say just happen to notice. It didn't say anything like that. It said looking with in, like intentionality. You're gazing, you're staring, and you're allowing yourself to look long enough to build up this desire in your heart that is not good for your heart. And breaking the intimacy that you can have with your wife or your husband and breaking the intimacy that you were designed to have with God. Two examples from Scripture. Genesis 39. It's the story of Joseph. So if you don't know it, go read it. Genesis 39. It says that Potiphar's wife gazed or uh, cast longing eyes on Joseph. She stared at him. She gazed at him. She created looking at him, which created lust in her. And then she tries to seduce the guy and have sex with him. Another example was David and Bathsheba, which is in 2 Samuel 11, where David walks out onto the balcony sees a beautiful woman taking a bath, 
and just probably goes like this. She checks her out, stares at her. He didn't come out and say, wow, beautiful woman to naked. Okay, we're going to go back inside. No, he probably brought a chair out, grabbed an umbrella, got some shade, was checking her out and saying, hey, babe, come here. Hey, dude, come here. Who, who, he, he brought one of the servants in and said, who's that woman? I want her. And so, well, guess what? The servant went and got her, brought him to him, and he had sex with her. He committed adultery. But the adultery happened before he even had sex with her. It was when, in his mind when he gazed, when he stared, when he looked with intentionality that built up this desire inside of him called lust, committing adultery in his heart, his non-physical, which then prompted him to commit the act of adultery in the physical. I know the tactics, guys. Leading leads to lusting. And I know the tactics that we use for justifications of us noticing beauty. We say, I, we say that, don't we? Oh, I'm just noticing beauty. No, it's not because you're looking with intentionality and creating unhealthy sexual uh, desires inside of you that are not good for you. And I know the tactics, right? So you're out and about. You see a really uh, busty woman in yoga pants walking your way. Here's what you do. They're coming this way. So you want to look. You just post up like this for a minute. And she just walks by and you go, what? I couldn't help it. She happened to walk through my line of sight, man. What do you want me to do? You looked. You, you positioned your body. What about this at the pool or at the beach? Got sunglasses on to cover your eyes so nobody can see. Sitting there reclining. Your eyes can move, can't they? As long as your head doesn't. Well, then you'll get caught. You're looking. You're intentionally setting yourself up to look, to gaze, and to build up lust inside of you. Searching on the websites. Like you guys, we are, men and, men and women, we're, we're, we're both at fault here, looking up things and searching things on websites. And watching content that is inappropriate for us that's going to build lust and un, uh, an unhealthy sexual desire. And for me, it used to be websites. I used to go there. I used to be trapped there. I used to be stuck there. But I got set free. Thank God I did. And I don't ever want to go back there. But you know where it shifted for me after I got off the sites? I went to social media. To where I would follow fitness models, swimsuit models. And I would check their profiles out. And I justified it saying, bro, it ain't that bad. It's not like what I used to be doing but it created unhealthy desires inside of me that broke the intimacy that I had with Emily. And it broke the intimacy that I had with God too because I was living in sexual immorality. Ladies, reality TV, we're watching this stuff, seeing these celebrities that are really chiseled and really good-looking men, and we see it, and then we can start comparing our husband to it, and guess what? Reality TV isn't reality. It should be called fake TV. <laughs> Those people don't exist. So we got to stop comparing our spouses to other people that we see romance novels. We read that or see those, those movies and, and it's like, oh my gosh, I want that. I crave that. But that's not realistic. It's creating a false expectation of what our sexuality should be with our spouse. So we got to protect our looking, protect our mind and protect our emotions so that it doesn't create this desire inside of us, which causes us to lust which causes us to commit adultery. Now, I can't tell you how many times I have pre-decided that when I'm at the pool, when I'm at the beach, I will not look. I may notice, oh, wow, okay, not going to look. Oh, I see that, okay, I'm not going to look. Or I'm driving down the road and there's a really skimpy athletic woman running in skimpy apparel and I'm like, I'm not going to look. She's not going to look because I know that it's unhealthy for me. I know what it does to my soul. I know what it does to my heart. I know what it does to my relationship with my wife. I know what it does to my relationship with my, with my heavenly father. I know what it does. I know how it hurts. I know how it breaks. And if you don't believe me, just ask your spouse. Say, hey, does it bother you if I would look? They would absolutely tell you yes. And if they, and they don't want to tell you, it's because it's so painful. It's so hurtful 
and, and, and what happens is when you look, it's like, well, now I don't want to be intimate with you because you've been checking all these other women or all these other guys, and I'm insecure about my own body, and I don't really want to let you into that part of me because I'm not going to be good enough for you. So we got to stop, and we have to stop looking and creating lust to other people, and we need to start looking at our spouse. Look them up and down. Let them know they're sexy. Let them know you like what you see. And lust after your spouse to create intimacy. That's okay. That's good. That's what we were supposed to do. And I know the tactics, guys. I know, the, I know I've been there. I struggle with it. I'm tempted with it as well. But I have to pre-decide to not look and not build up this inside of me and inside of my heart. Adultery in the mind takes place first and in our emotions. And then that leads to adultery in the body and the flesh. And here's how we say it around here. Purity now leads to intimacy later. Purity now leads to intimacy later. If you are not married, you're single, young, single, old, single, I don't care, single, stay pure. Because if you can stay pure now from any form of misusing or misexpressing your sexual desires, it will build incredible intimacy later with your spouse. It will. And it'll build greater intimacy that you have with God. And if you're married, stay pure inside of your marriage. Do not seek it out, the sexual desires outside your marriage so you can have incredible intimacy that you were designed to experience with your spouse. Stay pure. And God gave us this intimacy to experience and to enjoy, this pleasure to have and to enjoy. He gave it to us to have a, an understanding of the type of intimacy and the depth of intimacy we can have with Him. It was a gift, and we are to protect it, fight for it, and stay pure so you can have incredible intimacy. Let me give us one more scripture here as we end, as we close. 1 Corinthians 6 says this, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ Himself? Do you not know that your bodies are members with Christ Himself? Think about that and how you treat your body in every aspect. You were bought at a price. You are no longer your own. <laughs> Be a good steward and good manager of the body, the temple that you have where the Holy Spirit of God can reside if you will let Him. And then it says, I Shall I then take the members of Christ's body... And unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. When you attach yourself to somebody by, by having sex with them or mis-expressing mis your sexual desire and you have this attachment, you now become one with them. And that intimacy and that bond is formed. And the same thing is true with God, your Lord. You can be one with Him in spirit if you will join Him. Be the temple where the Holy Spirit can reside, where your identity comes from Him and not your sexuality, not what the world says, but what He says about you. And that you would live pure inside the bounds and guardrails of His design for human sexuality and that is inside marriage between a man and a woman. It is a gift for you and I. And this command isn't to squash your fun and to be outdated and make it think like it doesn't apply. No, this, this command is for your protection and your satisfaction if you will just engage with it properly. And I know that some of us are, need to confess some sexual sin today. Or, or whenever, no, today. <laughs> confess it today. Bring it to the light today. Repent from it today. And if, and if you have immorality in your marriage you need, to, you need to confess that and talk about it. I know it's going to be hard. I know it's terrifying to share that. 
but you need to. And we're here. I'm here for you guys. If that's you and that's your marriage, come to me. Come to somebody at the church. Talk with us. We'll walk this through. We're here for you to help. If you're struggling with pornography or you're not married and you're struggling with temptation or whatever it is that you're struggling with, let me know. Let us know. And we want to help. We want to pray. We want to talk. We want to come alongside. We want to resource. We want to be here for you. But no longer can we live sexually immoral lives, robbing us of the intimacy that we are supposed to experience with one person, our spouse, and with our God through the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We're here for you. I'm here for you. So examine our hearts today and and evaluate where we are falling short in this area, where we're looking too much, where we're lusting too much, where we're being unfaithful, and where we are not uh, exercising our freedom of sexual expression inside God's design. Search our hearts, confess it, bring it to the light, repent, and begin to have healing and restoration in your life. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the sacrifice on the cross so that we can be a new creation. I thank you that our bodies are the temple and where you will reside with the Holy Spirit. And I pray that we would search ourselves and find where we're falling short and where we're misapplying our sexual desires and sexual uh, expressions. And call that out of us, Father, and help us find accountability and find, uh, find healing and find truth and find understanding and find reconciliation with the people that we need to reconcile with. So thank you, Father. Be with us as we, as we have these conversations and dive in and really promote change. Father, I pray that you would promote change and purity in every single person that's listening, that we would become better followers of you by remaining pure and expressing ourselves inside your design. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us here at The Vineyard. It's our greatest desire to see you find and follow God, and we hope that this podcast has helped you do just that. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. Again, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.